Come on, make some noise if you believe God's going to do something in the house today. Woo! Hey, why don't you take about 20 seconds and high five three people around you and welcome them to Radiate Church today. Come on now. Come on, welcome somebody a little bit more enthusiastic than that. Come on, just get in their face a little bit. What's up, baby? Let's go. Woo! Good morning, good morning. We are so glad that you are here today. I want to say, uh, my name is Brandon Goff. I'm honored to be the lead pastor here at Radiate if this is your first time. And we are so excited that you're with us today as we conclude our our series that we've been in this month called My Best Life. Because here's what we believe. We believe that uh, our vision and our mission here at Radiate is to equip and empower people to live the life God intends. And your best life doesn't have to be a hashtag or something that you push forward to in the future, but it's something you can live out today. It can begin today and we believe that here at Radiate Church. Come on church, put your hands together this morning. Y'all <clears throat> Yeah. We're excited about what's gonna happen. I told you in week one that we had a really special surprise to end this thing out. It was gonna be a great time uh, throughout the whole series. It's been an amazing thing. But uh, a few months ago I had the opportunity or I began well probably about a year and a half ago, I began to really seek out some guys that I believed uh, were some of the greatest leaders, some of the greatest pastors and preachers on, on the planet. And I began to, guys that I watched and guys that I saw, guys that are leading not just numbers, but leading a movement, that are moving people from where they are to where God wants them to be. And uh, Pastor J.R. Lee is a guy, we have a mutual connection, and I began to follow him on social media in a little bit. And I, I, I just hit him up one day. I was like, hey, man, I would love to come and just sit uh, just sit at your feet. No, I would just love, <laughs> I would love to come and just learn from you and ask you some questions. And, and, and guys, this doesn't happen all the time, but the, the way that, that they and their church just welcomed me in and just, just brought me right in and, and, and were an open book and answered questions. And uh, some of them dumb, some of them I felt were great. And he was probably like, why are you asking me something like that? And, and, you know, and, and I want to tell you that what's happening here at Radiate, he has a large portion to do with because of the investment he's placed in me and I believe he's one of the greatest yeah y'all give it up I believe he's here with his buddy uh, Todd one of the leaders at the church and we had an opportunity to hang out last night but I believe Pastor JR is one of the greatest preachers one of the greatest leaders on the planet I think God or I know God's got an amazing call on his life I thank you uh, for being a friend and somebody that invests in my life here at Radiate, guys, y'all know this. We're all about honor. We believe in honoring up, down, and all around. And the way, in, in fact, Second Timothy tells us that uh, the person that brings the word of God deserves double portion of honor. And so, what I think we need to do is stand to our feet right now, put our hands together, and welcome Pastor Jr. from Freedom Church in the house today. Sub Radiate Church, y'all doing good? Y'all can have a seat. I'm excited, excited to be able to be here. I've been looking forward to this day for a while. I love your church and have been following along on your journey for a while now. And uh, even more than that, uh, I love your pastor and uh, Pastor Brandon and Megan. I love you guys. Thank y'all for letting me be here. Had a blast last night at dinner and uh, they gave me fried pickles and they were wonderful. And then, um, then, then today, I, I'm, a, I'm a monster energy drink guy, typically. I like the white ones. I think they're the best. But today, he introduced me to something that changed my life was uh, the Bang energy drink. I don't know. I don't know if that's like your thing or not. First, they gave me the birthday cake one, though, and that tastes like the devil himself. 
Uh, but the other one that I had, I think it was blue raspberry, is pretty darn good. It'll, it'll change you from the inside out, just like the Lord Jesus. And so uh, that being said, so far today, I've had two regular cups of coffee. I've had a grande iced coffee, and I have now had a little tiny sip of birthday cake, uh, which was horrible. And then I had a full can of bang. So uh, that being said, we're going to have we're going to have a good day. If I fall to the ground and start shaking, Brandon, just come take the mic and, uh, and do your thing. But nonetheless, it's an honor to be able to be here. I consider them great friends. And I do know this. The direction of your life is determined by the connections that are in your life. That's true in every single one of our circumstances. If you show me your best friends, your five closest friends, I can show you your future. And the reason that's true is because we're created to do life in community. And who you choose to do life with is going to determine a lot about your outcome. That doesn't have a ton about or a ton to do with this message, but I think I can make it work. If you have your Bible, uh, the Bible, you know, remember Bibles with pages. If you have those, uh, you can turn to Luke chapter five. If you have it on your phone or some other device, you can go there as well. Luke chapter five. Let me, let me just read this to you and then we'll jump in. One day. Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. Now, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the Pharisees specifically, they were just the ultra religious crowd. Think, think of the most religious person that you've ever met and multiply it by about a thousand. That was the Pharisees. They were kind of interesting individuals. They were trying hard, but they had kind of gotten it all mixed up. And so as a result, they, um, they did a lot of things wrong, even sometimes with the right intentions, oddly enough. But Nonetheless, that's who they were. It said they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And then it says this, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Now, Jesus was in a town and they were at a person's house and he was going to be doing some teaching and stuff that he had always done. And once word started to get out that Jesus was going to be there, everybody showed up everywhere. Jesus went, he always attracted a crowd. Now, the crowd of people that Jesus attracted, it wasn't always the people that you might expect. It wasn't necessarily your church crowd, although your church crowd was there. You had the Pharisees, the ultra-religious. There were those people that were there. Then you had the people who were considered the outcasts. They were all there as well. So you had people who, who loved Jesus. You had people whose life had been changed by Jesus, not the Pharisees. Their life had not been changed yet. They were religious. That's different than having a relationship with God. You'll see that in a minute. But they had people that did love Jesus, who did have a relationship with God. They were there. Then you had people who hated Jesus, which ironically was the Pharisees, the religious people. They were the ones who couldn't stand Jesus because when Jesus came, he kind of turned the religious establishment on his head. And so as a result, the religious people didn't like him. So you had the people who loved him, the people who hated him. And then like most churches, hopefully throughout the country, you had a lot of people who were just curious. You had people who were just curious about this person named Jesus. And they wanted to see what he could do because rumor was out that he had the ability to change people's lives, to be able to make the sick well and to to make the blind see. And as a result, everywhere Jesus went, people wanted to be like, man, I want to see that. If Jesus can do that, I want to see that. It was almost like they were going to a show or a concert. There was a performance that they wanted to be a part of. Now, in the meantime, while Jesus was there, there were so many people that were at the house, you couldn't get inside of it. There was no room inside the house. There was also no room outside the house. There were people outside the doors and outside the windows. And while all that was going on, there was another man, we don't know his name, I'm going to give him a name just for sake of clarity. His, we're going to call him, we're going to call him O'Fair. And here's 
the reason why I didn't just pull that out of thin air. I've been to Israel, I don't know, four or five times. And every time I go, I meet somebody called Ophir. I don't know if that's like an Israeli name or something, a real common name, Ophir. It's like Jason in America, Ophir in Israel. But every time I go, I meet Ophir. So I'm going to give him a good Hebrew name. It's either that or Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth takes too long. So Ophir, that's what his name's going to be. Ophir had been born paralyzed. And he lived in a tough time. It's, it's always going to be tough to live when you're paralyzed, but he lived in a very tough time because there weren't handicap accessible anything back then. You couldn't get a special parking spot because they didn't have cars. So I don't know if they had handicap accessible donkeys or whatever the case may be or places to put the donkey, but it was, it was rough terrain. I don't know if you've ever been, those of you that have, it's rough terrain, it's hilly, it's, it's sandy and everything else. It was just a tough, it was just a tough time. And this guy, Ophir, he had tried everything in order to get well. He'd gone to every doctor that he could think of. Every time a new doctor came to town, he'd show up. Every time there was a new gimmick, uh, he, would, he would go for it. He'd get his hopes up, and then he would have his hopes dashed. He, would, he tried the gluten-free thing. That didn't work. It just made him eat bad food for a long time. He had his hopes up, and it dashed. He, he tried the birthday cake bang, and that didn't work. He had his hopes up, and then it they were dashed. Now, the thing that he did have was some friends that were in his life. Now, he has some friends. Remember, I told you the direction of your life is determined by the connections in your life. He has some friends, four of them in particular, that show up at his house on the day that Jesus was going to be there. And they say to Ophir, Ophir, did you know that Jesus was in town? And he says, of course I knew that Jesus was in town. That's the only thing anybody in this town is talking about. Did you forget? We don't have the television. We don't have the internet. We don't have any type of football team. Whoever your favorite football team is, probably the Gamecocks, potentially. You, they didn't have any teams to watch. They didn't have anything going on. And so when Jesus comes, of course they're going to show up. Of course Ophir knew that Jesus was there. But Ophir didn't care because Ophir was in a situation in his life where he was tired of getting his hopes up. I don't know if you've ever been in that season of life before. If you're old enough, I bet you have. I bet you've gone through some stuff in your life to the point where you're a little bit tired of getting your hopes up. Because every time you get your hopes up, they end up crashing down. Matter of fact, you'll say this to your kids sometimes. Don't get your hopes up. And the reason you don't want them to get their hopes up is because last time you got your hopes up, they came crashing down. That was Ophir's scenario. But his friends step in, and when his friends step in, they show up at the house and they say, we're going to get you ready, and when we get you ready, we're going to take you over there to see Jesus. And Ophir says, no, you're not. I'm sick and tired of getting my hopes up. Maybe, maybe you've been there. I don't know if you have. Maybe you've gotten your hopes up financially before, and you start finally putting a little bit of money in the bank, and then all of a sudden you start putting some money in the bank, and then something happens on your car, and you're like, it, man. All the money that was in the bank that I've been busting my butt to put in that bank, now i got to put into new tires, or now i got to put into a new engine, or now i got to do this or that or whatever. The I used to have this car. I used to have this car. It was, it, the door wouldn't open from the outside. It was the most embarrassing thing in the whole wide world. You had to shimmy through the passenger side to open the, the driver's side. You remember that? It was a terrible, it was a terrible car. I had another car. It's a Volkswagen. It smelled like crayons. Every time you turned it on. Anybody else have a Volkswagen in this room? Those cars smell like crayons. It's the weirdest thing. Every time I would pull up to a curb too far, it was low enough to the ground. One time I was at a coffee shop in front of a bunch of people and I went to back up and when I did, my whole bumper fell right off, <laughs> right there on the ground. 
That's, that's church planter cars back in the day. I'm telling you, it's, it's a real, it's a real, it's a real. Why am I talking about this? It's a real thing. But that being said, one of the things that happened in this guy's life is he was just tired of being let down. He's tired of getting his hopes up. He's, he's tired of going to the doctor. He's tired of, you ever, been, you ever been so discouraged you're kind of tired of what they're saying at church because you've tried to put those practices into motion, but it doesn't seem like it's working for you. And you kind of want to get mad at God because you're like, I don't, I don't feel like what you're, what you're saying looks at all like what it is that I'm seeing. That was so fair. So what he had to do in that moment was he had to rely on the faith of his friends. His friends show up and they say, you're going to get ready and we're going to carry you to the house of Jesus. We're going to carry you to where Jesus is at. Reluctantly, he says, okay, primarily because he didn't have any choice. And they pick up the mat. I don't know what the mat was to me. It's when a mattress and a, um, and a sleeping bag get married and they had a baby and out comes a mat. That's what the mat was. And they put him on the mat and there's four friends that each grab a side and they start carrying O'Fair to Jesus. Now, how many of you know if you have four really good friends, one of them's more clumsy than the rest? About four different times on the way to see Jesus, the clumsy one drops his end and O'Fair goes rolling out onto the floor and they have to pick him up, put him back on the mat and get back on their journey. O'Fair's complaining because he doesn't want to be there to begin with. Now he's hot and sweaty and he's dusty because he keeps falling on the ground. They show up to the house and when they do, there's no way in. You, you can't even get near the house, much less in the house. And O'Fair says, I told y'all, why are you wasting my time bringing me to Jesus? I'm sick and tired of getting my hopes up. Yeah, that's good. So in that same group of four friends, you always have the one who's clumsy, but you always have the one that's crazy. If your group of four friends does not have the crazy one, it's because, sir, you are the crazy one. That's, that's the only way around that. I was the, how many of you were the crazy one? Any, anybody honest? That's good. So the crazy one says, you know what? I see an option. Because see, in Israel, it's still common all the way to this day. There would be stairs that would lead up to the top of the house on the outside of the house. It was like that then. It's like that now. So they start walking up to the top of the house, trying to carry O'Fair on a mat, praying to God that the clumsy one don't drop him off the roof. They get up to the top and they're all looking around like, what are we going to do now, smart guy? We're on top of the roof. Jesus is inside the house. The crazy one looks down and says, we only have one option. We only have one shot. And then he broke out into an Eminem song, just started singing. Opportunity comes once in a lifetime. I didn't say that at 10 o'clock. So back then, it's not like your roof has shingles. Back then, it was palm branches and mud and palm branches and mud and boards and palm branches and mud. And the crazy one says, let's dig through. All the other three are like, are you serious? You want us to dig through the roof? How are we going to pay for that? Did you ask? Like, did you go to the homeowner and say, hello, can we destroy your house so that we can put O'Fair up inside of this house right next to Jesus? And the crazy one says, don't, don't worry about it. If Jesus can heal O'Fair, he can heal this roof. He can. 
He can do whatever it is you need to do. So you know what they did? They start, they start digging through the roof. They start digging. They just start grabbing stuff. They start pulling it. They start, they start moving the boards, moving the palm branches. They start digging through the roof so they can experience the breakthrough in the life of their friend. I wonder how many times you've been praying for a breakthrough, but it's on the other side of something you got to dig through. I wonder how many times we pray for stuff and God's saying to us, I would give it to you. It's already there for you, but you're never going to experience the breakthrough unless you're willing to dig through. Because sometimes, sometimes, I don't know if you know this, you're not just going to pray for a blessing and have the blessing open up and fall into your lap. I think as followers of Jesus, we are notorious for just sitting around waiting on blessings to come. We start, here's what we do. We start praying for tables. We, I don't know what this just came to my mind. We start praying for God to send us a table. God doesn't make tables. God made trees. And as a result, he said, you can pray for a table all day long, or you can go outside and cut down the tree that I gave you and create you a table. Sometimes what we say we're praying for, sometimes we are using prayer as an excuse for our lack of faith. So they just start digging through. They start digging through. All of a sudden, you're inside the house. Imagine, put yourself inside the house. You're inside the house, just listening to Jesus. And all of a sudden, a little dirt ball falls right on your head. What's that? You need to fix your roof, bro. That's a dirt ball fell on my head. All of a sudden, more dirt balls start falling down on their heads. They pull that last piece off that palm branch. And the crazy ones just looking in. Everybody in the house was like, this is the greatest day of my life. Except for the homeowner. The homeowner was like, what, in the, what are y'all doing? They grab a fair. By the feet. The friends look at him like, what are we going to do with them? We got to get them down there. Just drop them. Jesus will fix them. <laughs> that joker lands right down there. They were aiming for the couch, but the clumsy one missed. He lands right on the ground in front of Jesus. And watch what it says. It says something that I bet you've read it and you probably missed what it said. When Jesus saw their faith, say their faith. Their say it again because you didn't do it right. Say their faith. their faith. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Jesus looks down at Ophir, looks up at them, and it does not say when Jesus saw Ophir's faith. It said when Jesus saw their faith. Why didn't it say when Jesus saw Ophir's faith? Because in that moment, Ophir didn't have any faith. Ophir had to rely and borrow some faith from his friends in order to be put in the position of power. That's why I said the direction of your life is determined by the connections in your life. Because sometimes the only way for you to hear from God is to get some people around you he will, who will talk to you even when you've told them to be quiet. Sometimes you got to have some people in your life, watch, who will carry your mat because you're not always going to be able to walk on your own. 
If you don't know what I'm referring to, you haven't been through enough yet. Because once you've started going through some things in your life, you're going to realize there's some times that when you're down, you don't have the ability to get up. The only way to get up is to rely on some people on the outside to do for you what you wish you could do, but you can't currently do because you don't have enough faith to pull it off. So Jesus looks down at him and says, because of their faith, your sins are forgiven. See, faith is a demonstration that's acting on a belief. We get faith and hope mixed up, and that's why a lot of us stay stuck. See, a lot of us, we're standing in hope. God, I hope you're going to help my financial situation. God, I hope you're going to help my marriage. God, I hope you're going you're gonna to grow this church. God, I pray, I really hope you're going to change this county. God, I pray you're going to do it. I believe you're going to do it. I'm going to stand right here until you do. I ain't even going to move. God doesn't bless your stance of hope. God only blesses your step of faith. And what happens is what God says is, he says, I'm glad you're praying for it. And I'm glad you're hoping for it. I'm glad you want a table. But I gave your butt a tree. And if you're not willing to take that step of faith, they could have brought their friend to the top of that house and stayed there and prayed for that house to open up, and it never would have. Somebody had to be willing to dig through the roof. You can pray for a move of God or you can be a move of God. You can pray for your relationship or you can be the one that changes in your relationship. See, sometimes we say, God, I pray that you would change them. I know, I know we do that because I've said that. God, I pray that you would change that person. That person's crazy. Lord, you know they're crazy. They are crazy. And God's saying to you, I ain't even worried about them. I'm more worried about you. What's going on inside of you, big boy? Because here's what we'll do. We'll say, God, I pray that you will. Bl-. This, is, this is something that happens to us sometimes. It drives me up the wall. People begin ready to get married. And they'll say, hey, uh, do you know anybody that does marriage counseling? And I'm like, I don't do marriage counseling, but I know people that do. The reason I don't do marriage counseling is because I did it one time, and I kid you not, they were divorced five months later. That is a true story. So I retired. I retired from marriage counseling. So now we refer to people that do marriage counseling, and it costs money. Cheap. 500 bucks. And 70% of people will say, I'm not doing that. Why not? I can't afford it. It's $500. I can't afford that. How much are you spending on flowers? $2,500. You're spending more money on something that's going to die in one week than you are in something that can keep your marriage alive for the rest of your life. Watch. Here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Here's the reason. Here's the reason. It's not about money. The reason is they want to stand in hope. They don't want to walk in faith. You want God to fix your finances, but you're not willing to do a budget. You know why? Because budgets suck. That's the reason nobody wants to do a budget. It's not awesome. Budgets aren't awesome. Budgets tell you what you can do and can't do with your money. And we don't like being told what we can do and can't do with our money. So we don't do anything. We just stand there and say, God, I pray that you would send out the blessings from the heavens. But we're not willing to do what you told us to do. Isn't that crazy how we do this? We all do this. (laughs) 
God, I don't know why I keep meeting crazy people. Because you keep meeting them at the same place. You keep meeting people. You keep meeting your boyfriend at the bar at 3 a.m. And then you wonder why they're an alcoholic. Lord, my last four, my last four boyfriends are alcoholics. That's because you met all of them at the same bar. I didn't do this at 10 o'clock. I don't know what's going on. Let's keep going. So they dropped that joker right there in front of Jesus. It says in verse 24, I, y'all got to listen faster. Here's what it says. Verse 24, I tell you, get up. I think he had to say get up because not everybody that's down wants to get up. That's a different message. I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. You, you got you to gotta realize how bold of a statement it is to say to a paralyzed man, get up. Because I can't tell a paralyzed man to get up. That's mean. That's insensitive. Jesus looks right at him and says, get up, boy. That guy's like, for real? He pusses. He rolls over. He's he's hurting a little bit because they dropped him from the ceiling. He puts his leg down. His ankle was strong. His other ankle's strong. I don't even, I don't know. I don't know if Jesus taught him to walk or if Jesus just gave him the ability to walk. Because you ever seen a little kid who's learning how to walk? I picture O'Fair being like that. He's like, woo, this is amazing. I can't believe I just did that. He grabs his mat, he gets up, and he walks right out of the house. Watch what happens. Watch the response. It says, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe, and they said, we have seen remarkable things today. I want your county to be filled with awe because of the amazing things that they've seen God do. I want your county to be filled with awe because of the amazing things they've seen God do in Radiate Church. I want to see... I want to see a group of people who don't even yet believe in God who begin to see people like you and I and they say, even though I don't even know if I believe in the God that they serve, there is something that is evidently different about their life. Because I used to go to I used to go to school with that guy and he was different back then than he is now. I've lived next door to him for six years and the last two, he's been a different neighbor. I've been living in the house with this man for a long time. And for the last year, I've got a brand new dad. It seems like I got a brand new mom. When you want to see God do something amazing in your church, it always starts with what it is that God's doing inside of you. I want the county to take notice and say, there's a group of people up there at that place called Radiate Church. It's not, they're not just talking about a move of God. They're experiencing a move of God. They're seeing something great happen. Something amazing is coming about. And as a result, they stand in awe. And then they say to you, how is this possible? And you don't have to have all the answers. That's a lie that Satan tells you that you have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the answers. Here's what you say. Jesus changed my life. I'm not yet who I want to be, but my goodness, I am not who I used to be. And I met the Lord up there at a place called Radiate Church. And as a result, if you will come with me on Sunday, God can do for you what it is he did for me. And when you do that, you know what you're doing? You didn't even know it. What you're doing is you're carrying the mat. You're carrying the mat. You're making it possible for people far from God to experience life in Christ. Then you're not just doing a series about your best life. You're actually helping people live it. 
But watch, here's the important thing. This is what I wanted to get to. It doesn't happen just because you want it to. It also doesn't happen just because you pray for it. It happens when, as you're praying for it, you're actually taking the steps of faith to do something about it. God ain't going to give you a table. He gave you a tree. I used to pray dumb prayers. You ever, you ever found yourself praying something that's accidentally, you didn't even mean for it to be dumb, it's just accidentally dumb. I used to pray before I'd go up to preach, I'd say, God, I pray that you would, you would empower me to preach your word today. And I prayed that for years. And all of a sudden, one day, I'm getting ready to walk out, walk out to preach, and I felt like the Lord was saying to me, would you stop praying that? And you ever been like, hold up, wait a minute, what you saying? He said, he said to me, you need to stop praying that you will be empowered. I said, why? Because you've already been empowered. Why do you, this is what I felt like God was saying to me. Why do you spend so much time praying for something that you already possess? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and well inside of you. And as a result, you have been empowered. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are worthy. You are anointed. You have everything you need to do every single thing that I've called you to do. And that's not just true for me. That's true for every single person that's a follower of Jesus. I want your city, your county to be filled with awe. I want to see more lives changed. I want to see more relationships restored. I want to see more marriages put back together. I want to see more addictions broken. I want to be able to look into the eyes of people who I never thought would step foot into the doors of this place called Radiate Church. And then all of a sudden I'm seeing them serving week in and week out. They're not just attending, they're actually serving. And when they walked through the door, they thought lightning was gonna strike. All because somebody carried the mat. All because somebody carried the mat for them. That's the reason. There are people all over this county who are looking and desiring and wanting God to do something great in their life. They're just not sure if he actually exists and they're not sure if he actually can. They're waiting on somebody like you to go to their house, pick up the mat and carry them to a place where they can experience the power of the person of Jesus. Ophir would have never gotten there had people not picked him up. See, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, I'm wondering. I'm wondering how many of us that are followers of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus in in this room right now, and that's who you are, I want you to remember back to the moment you became a follower of Jesus. And who is it that helped carry the mat for you? Because I bet if you're like me, when you think about becoming a follower of Jesus, you think about a time and you think about a person. I bet there was somebody that carried the mat for you. Who was that person? If you know who that person was and you still know how to get in touch with them, You know what you should do? When you leave today, you should send them a text message or message them on Facebook or however it is you choose to do it and just let them know. Say, hey, I don't know if you realize this, but because when I was in the seventh grade, you invited me to church. Jesus changed my life. This is a picture of my little boy. Because of an invitation in the seventh grade, This little boy has a different dad than he would have without you. This is my wife. Had you not invited me in seventh grade, I wouldn't be married to this girl right here. 
Sometimes we need to do a better job of connecting the dots and showing people that an invite to church isn't just an invite to church. It's never been about that. It's bigger than you think it is. Who carried the mat for you? Who made it possible for you to experience your best life? Who is it in your life that you need to carry the mat for? Sometimes we pray for our coworkers, and you should. But you need to pray with the understanding that the reason they're your coworker is because my God is sovereign enough to put you in the cubicle next to theirs. Because he knew that you were the perfect person to speak into their life. You don't sit in the seat you do at school because it was assigned by a teacher. You sit in the seat you do at school because God in his sovereignty put you there so that you could speak into the lives of the people that are around you. That's the reason you moved into the neighborhood you did. You thought it was because you got a good deal. The only reason you got the good deals because God loved you and God loved them enough to put the two of you together. And you can pray for them all day long, but if you don't show up at the house and pick O'Fair up, and put him in a place where he can experience the power, your prayer will go unanswered. God chooses to use us to carry the mat, to dig through the roof, to do whatever we gotta do, because we need this new awareness that Jesus didn't just come to this earth so that bad people would become good people. That's why the Pharisees messed everything up. They thought it was all about what can I do for God so that God will love me more. It was all performance based. You have you ever been there before? You have a good day, you make a good decision. I haven't had very many good days. I've had good moments. And you have a good moment and you're like, I bet God's proud of me right now. God loves me because I'm pretty awesome today. I was awesome today. But then you follow it up the next day and you completely lose your mind. I live in Atlanta. We don't have enough roads. Everybody thinks that we have too many people. We don't have that many people, actually. We don't have enough roads. I will start, I will be driving down the road singing a worship song. And in three milliseconds be using 37 strung together Christian cuss words back to back. Ready to kill somebody ready to absolutely kill somebody because they got in my way. And in that moment, there's times where I feel like God's probably disappointed in me. Like all my steps forward now got removed and now I'm back here where I started. That's not the way that a relationship with God works. If that's how your relationship with God works, you don't have a relationship with God, you just have a knowledge about religion. It's not about what you can do for God. I'm here to tell you that it's good news. That's what the gospel is, it's good news. Good news is not work harder, try more, do better. That's not good news. You know why it's not good news? Let's be honest. The harder we try, the worse we realize that we are. It's good news because it's not what you can do for God. It's what God has done for you. That's why God sent Jesus to this earth. 
He lived a perfect sinless life for 33 years, earning what we could not earn on our own. He died a sacrificial death on a cross. The reason he died, you need to know, the reason he died was because of you. Jesus died because of me. Somebody had to pay for the stupid stuff that we do throughout this life. The things we do, the things that we think, somebody had to pay. Jesus was the only one who could pull this off. So when he died on the cross, your sin was literally put onto Jesus. And when you say yes to Jesus, watch, this is where it gets crazy. His goodness was put onto you. That means if you were to ask me, what does God think about you? I don't have to answer based on the kind of day I've had. Because when my life was changed by Jesus, I wasn't just forgiven. I was forgiven, but I was always, I was also made right in the sight of God. So watch this. So as a result, even on my worst day, God says, that's my boy. I love that guy. He's forgiven. He's accepted. He's loved. He's worthy. I know he struggles with addiction, but that's my boy. I know about, I know about the affair. That's my boy. I know about the things going on in, in her mind, but that's my little girl. For me, it was April the 11th of 1996 when I stopped chasing religion and I finally just surrendered to Jesus. And as a little kid, from that day forward, I'm not who I want to be, but I'm not who I used to be. And ever since that day, I'm finally starting to understand more and more and more that there's nothing I could ever do to make God love me anymore. And there's nothing I could ever do to cause God to love me any less. And when you begin to realize that, that's when Jesus truly becomes irresistible. That's when you'll be willing to carry the mat because you want everybody to experience what you've come to experience. That's when you'll dig through the roof. That's when you'll stop standing in hope and you'll start walking in faith. When you realize it's not about your effort, it's about God's effort, it'll change everything. It'll change everything so much that it even to this day makes the religious people upset. Jesus will do more in a moment than religion can do in a lifetime. I didn't spend so much time on this at at 10 o'clock, but I feel like I need to double down at 1130. I think it feels, I think in my mind, the Holy Spirit's saying there's a lot of people that are in this room that struggle with religion. And I'm here to let you know Jesus came to set you free from religion. So what he did for you in his death He then proved who he said he was whenever he was buried. And then three days later came back to life. It's very important because a dead savior can't save anyone. Say, well, what do I need to do? If you're not yet a follower of Jesus and you're in this room, 
You want to know how do I become a follower of Jesus? What's the rules? Give me the chore chart. Do I got to read my Bible? Do I got to go to church three times a month for a whole year? And at first I'm kind of on probation. Like how does, how does this thing work? First thing you do is you dump the chore chart. It's not about what you got to do. Jesus already did all the work. So it's you finally saying, I don't got to do nothing. Jesus already did it all. And I have to get to a position where I can say yes to what Jesus did for me. Instead of going back continuously to what I think I can do for God. So you know what it's about? Surrender. You're saying, Lord, I surrender my life to you. You did it. I didn't do squat. I say yes to you right now. Forgive me of my sin. Step into my life and save me, change me. Make all things new. And you know what he'll do? He will step into your life and allow you to walk out of this room differently than the way that you walked in. It's not about probation. He doesn't say, I'll, I'll do it and then we'll see. He says, you put your trust in me. That's my boy. That's my little girl. You've been fighting for love. He gives it. You've been fighting for acceptance. He gives it. You've been hoping for hope. He grants it. You've been looking for forgiveness. He's the only one who can provide it. Stop looking everywhere else. Somebody carried you on a mat into this room today. You didn't even know. You're here on purpose. And this is your purpose right now. All over this room, bow your head and close your eyes if you would. If you're here today and you don't yet know for certain that you're a follower of Jesus and you want to, you're ready for your sin to be forgiven, for your life to be changed. You're ready for all things to be made new in your heart and in your life right now. What I want you to do is in just a moment, I want you to pray this prayer with me as I pray it out loud. It's not a magical prayer. It's not a magical formula. It's nothing like that. It's just you saying to God, God, I say yes to what Jesus did for me. I turn from my sin and I turn to you the best way I know how. Forgive me and change me from the inside out. And he promises that he will. If that's your desire, right where you are. Just pray this in your heart as I prayed out loud. It's not a magical prayer. It's just you doing what Jesus said. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. And as a result, you will be saved, changed, forgiven. All things will become new in your life. You've been working for it all this time. You're never going to get it because Jesus came to give it. So right where you are, just pray this with me in your own heart. Say, Lord, the best way I know how. I say yes to you. I turn from my sin and I turn to Jesus. And I ask you to be my Lord and Savior from this moment forward. I want you to forgive me, to change me, to make all things new in my life. In Jesus' name we pray with your head still bowed and eyes still closed. If you're here today, and you just prayed with me to receive Jesus. I'm gonna ask you to do something bold. I'm not gonna have you stand or come to the front. I'm not gonna call you out or embarrass you in any way. But if you're here today and you just said yes to Jesus, I do want to place a card in your hand. And the only way for me to do that is to know where you are. And the only way for me to know where you are is for you to raise your hand when I count to three. 
When I count to three, you're gonna raise your hand high and you're gonna keep it up just long enough for one of our team to come and place a card in your hand. As soon as you get that card, you're gonna put your hand down. But don't let anybody talk you out of this very, very important moment. If you're here today and you just prayed to receive Jesus, when I say three, you raise your hand high. Don't look around to see if anybody else does. I want you to be first. Don't stand in hope, walk in faith. Right where you are, when I say three, you raise your hand high. You ready? Nobody looking around. One, two, three. If you just prayed to receive Jesus right where you are, raise your hand high. I see hands across the room. If that's you, raise it high. Keep it up just long enough for us to place that card in your hand in the middle, in the back. Who else? Keep it up just long enough for us to place that card. As soon as you get it, you can put your hand down. Once you get that card, you can put your hand down. Come on, Radiate Church, let's clap our hands for those that just said yes to Jesus. Let me pray for you, dear Lord, I love you and I'm grateful for you and I pray right now for every person that's here. God, help us to be willing to carry the mat. Help us to be willing to dig through the roof. God, I pray that next time when I come to Radiate Church, God, that this church is five times the size that it is because we stopped just hoping for a move of God and we started going after a move of God. That we realized that our neighbors, that our coworkers, that our classmates and everybody else, that they were put there for a purpose. And God, we realized that you're gonna use us to be the difference makers in their lives. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.